Hey, you are listening to episode number 69 of the Water and Stone Church podcast. My name is Dieter Randolph, and this is the sound of my voice. And I'm Jenny Randolph. Welcome back. And as we gather around, there's a couple of things that we want to talk about Just a this couple. time around. Just a Well, we always <laughs> have a lot to talk about, but this time I think we... We decided to talk about a few things. Um, we finally, finally saw the new Solo movie, which I was absolutely thrilled with. Yeah. I thought it was excellent. Apparently and the box office hasn't been great or whatever, but first of all, anything Star Wars is huge for me. The episode four, the one that came out in the 70s, that was the first movie I ever saw in the movie theater. It's just right down the line of Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. So it really resonates. I hate that word, but there it is. It really resonates with me. And so anything Star Wars, I'm in for. But even without that, it was a popcorn movie. It was a great summertime movie. I adored it. Didn't you? Oh, yeah. I thought it was. It Well, it was sort of the unofficial start to the summer blockbusters. Right, yeah. You know, and I think it just, right out of the gate, it was so good. The tone of it was so good. I loved how fun it was. I loved all the inside jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for um, the, there was a couple of tip of the hat to the super oh, nerds. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Sure. And so there was yeah, a couple Easter of times eggs. when I reached over and grabbed your hand and squeezed it. I was like, ooh. <laughs> oh, you I know. thought you were just fond of me. Well, that too. But no, mostly I was excited about what was going on on the on the big screen. <laughs> but yeah, I don't I don't get all of the the nonsense that it's getting. But you know, I think sometimes. People want to be mad just to be mad. People yeah. want to be jaded just to be jaded or to seem cool. It's like, listen, it's it's not going to be, you know, an Oscar contender. It's just go get some popcorn. You know, go watch this movie. Go have fun. Go be with your family. And that's what it was. We went with a, we went with um, both our kids and us and it was it was just really nice yeah. to be together and get out of the Florida heat for a minute and watch a movie. Well, I got to say Next Sunday, not the one we're about to play, but next Sunday, I actually want to talk a little bit about what I call review culture, Mm. where we express ourselves with the idea of getting somebody to put a thumbs up. And Yelp has become a weapon when you don't like a restaurant or something like that. And people are more inclined to review a thing instead of experience a thing. Oh, absolutely. And so I, the experience was great. I loved it. I don't care what the reviews are. And maybe that's a good philosophy in general. I totally agree. And, um, you know, it's like I said, just loosen up, just take it easy. <laughs> it's summertime. Come on. Yeah. Come on. And by the summertime way, summertime and the living is easy. <laughs> we're, um, getting ready to redo our whole backyard. And actually we've never really had a backyard. Well, because no, we have the backyard. A backyard. Yeah, it's back there. Back it's there, ours. But it's not fenced in. So the only thing we do back there is it's a place for our puppy to, to explore but uh, it's uh, we finally got a fence coming in soon. We've I've ordered it and dealed dealt with the people that are, you know, setting up everything. And uh, I'm so excited that we're gonna get to actually do some landscaping back there. Well, speaking of summer in Florida, our son is born in July, mm-hmm. and he always wants to do something outside. And this time he wants to, because he knew we were having the fence put in and doing all that. So now he wants to go and have this huge barbecue and cook for all of his friends and have well, a bunch a of Well, he's a really people. good barbecue. He is. You know? He's very, very good. But it's it's bleeding hot outside yeah. and he wants to hang out. Remember well, when he was 11 and he went we went camping in the uh, middle of summer in Florida? What were we thinking? We were thinking we love our babies and we'll do whatever. Right. It was not a, a great camping experience. I, I think I lost about 400 pounds. Yeah, and we did the- one we did one night and mm-hmm. and that was it. But anyway, so we're we're getting into 
the idea of what we want the landscaping to be, what we want it to look like, you know, how, so we're really as a family sort of designing what the best fit for us is going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have a fire pit? Don't you, you know, what yes, kind of we patio do. do we want? You know, well, yeah, I know, but. And I'm excited know. because we often have church gatherings at our house, you know, like the Thursday night women's group. Sometimes it meets here, mm-hmm. for example. And when the weather gets nice, it'll be nice to have be able to do some stuff in the backyard and that kind of thing. I'm really excited about all kinds of things. But I have to say it's also given me an excuse to to find another show to watch. And there's this show that you and I have been watching called Big Dream Small Spaces. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a British show. And yeah, it well, talks the best about, shows are. Well, but, it, but they talk file. about <laughs> they talk about landscaping and Apparently, the guy that's the host of it his is like... His name is Monty Don. D-O-N is his last name. But and he's a, the most lovely he, man in the world. He's, he's like the most revered gardener in all of Britain. And he's just... When it comes to anything that you put in the ground, you know... He's a druid. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. But it's, he's it's magical. wonderful guy. He dresses a little bit like he might be in the Harry Potter universe. And he's just... And people will say, okay, you know, it's it's like every one of those kind of fixer-upper-ish reality shows where somebody says, I have $37 and I want my backyard to look like Versailles, you know, mm-hmm. one of those things. And he'll say, okay, now what's your plan? And they never have and a then plan. He, and then he says, no, they do have a plan. And but then it's he ridiculous. says, your plan is, is dumb and, and you need to do this better. And then he leaves. And he comes back a month <laughs> later and they haven't done And the they things, haven't done what they're supposed they, to do. Or they took his idea and did it wrong or whatever. And throughout the whole thing, he is the most calm, loving, encouraging presence in the world. Even if you're not into gardening, just watch the show. It'll make you feel better. It's yeah, one and of those... it's on it's on Netflix. Yeah. It's on Netflix. Big but... Dream, Small Spaces. Right. There's a few episodes, so we've been we've been dreaming and enjoying that and, and kind of making with our plans. Monty Don. Yeah, I wonder what it takes to get him over here. <laughs> I don't know. Do we want? I that? think you say his name know. three times, and he just appears. <laughs> right, but you not not probably not into a mirror. You probably have to say, say it into, into like a rose a, bush or something. Oh, yeah, like. I was gonna say like a like a pool of water outside a fountain or something. A water feature. We're ridiculous. <laughs> Now we'd like to share with you our Sunday worship service for June 3rd, 2018, and the title of it is The Way, The Truth, and The Life. It is the fifth in a series, the I Am series, that we have been exploring for the last couple of weeks. We certainly hope you enjoy it. Well, our scripture today comes from John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We know this one. We've heard it before. But it's one of those passages that makes people wonder. It's a head scratcher in a way. Because if you were to see that kind of a quote on an infomercial, if you were to see that kind of quote on Facebook, it would be, you know, top ten ways to come to the Father. You won't believe number six. (laughs) Right? It would be clickbait. And there would be immediately following a statement like that, there'd be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, whatever. Follow these easy steps. And in just five payments, you can do that thing. And that's not what Jesus says next. That's not there in the scripture. And 
from the time that was said and then written down and talked about all of these years, people are still trying to figure out, okay, well, what is the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven? And in fact, some people really fight about, no, this is what he meant. No, this is what he meant. But isn't it interesting that it isn't said? He doesn't say, okay, guys, this. It's interesting to me that it wasn't really important to Jesus that it, before the Sermon on the Mount, they didn't run through the mission statement. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Everybody's going to memorize these words. You know what I mean? There's a lot of churches that start with the mission statement, and I give thanks for that. We have a mission statement here. We're really proud of it. But check it out on the website. I'm not going to make anybody memorize it because it's not what's important. In fact, when you think about it, if you go to a place and they say, you must memorize these things, and anybody who doesn't memorize these things or uses a different word somewhere in the middle, they're wrong and painfully wrong, and they will be punished. Heathen because you said the instead of thou or whatever it is. That's not what he said. It's nowhere in there. It could very well be that the idea of the doctrine, the idea of the mission statement, the idea of running down the numbers is important, but it's not the only important thing. It's not even the main thing. So what is important? Glad you asked. Before we get there, let's think about what the goal is, because the goal sort of determines the journey, right? So what's he aiming at? Jesus said, get to the Father, and what does that mean? Now, I don't know about you, but I would imagine that just as when he said it then, and just as we're working on it now, when people say that word, Father, all kinds of stuff comes up, you know? Not all of it intentional, not all of it awesome, <laughs> Sometimes people bring up the things that they've gone through with their own dad. If they are a dad, they bring up things that they've gone through with their own kids and everything in between. Now, you know me. Being a dad is sort of at the core of who I am. It's really important. It, it defines me in all kinds of ways to have that feeling of, wow, this is that thing. Here's these amazing babies who are so much smarter than me, and I just want everything for them. And with all of that purity of intention, I still mess up sometimes. I'm a human being. I don't know if you know that. Very true. Very human. I might be the most human person in the room. I have a long history of good idea, bad implementation, right? It's just one of those things. He meant well. That's what it will say. <laughs> you know, it's one of those. I try. But sometimes the, 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 there's a disconnect between the intention and the action. It happens. Everybody has experienced that. And it may very well be that when that word father comes up, you're aware of the disconnect between something that somebody said they felt and what you experienced or something you felt and what you were able to deliver. It happens. And so when Jesus says, Father, ooh, sometimes stuff comes up that maybe doesn't need to come up because Jesus didn't bring it to you. We brought it to him, if you know what I mean. And it's okay to feel those feelings. But it's also okay to move beyond them. Because as we have said a couple of times now, and it bears repetition, one of the things that Jesus said over and over again is, you know that feeling you have in your heart? Let's take it and let's make it bigger. You know that feeling that you have? Let's take it and expand upon it and take it to a different place and take it from a different place. Jesus said, I don't give like the world gives. I give in a different way. And even in my moments of being somewhat less than the guy that deserves the world's greatest dad mug, 
even in those moments, I know for sure that when I think about my babies, I I think about this awesome thing that, that I just want everything for them and I want them to grow and be bigger than me and better than me and smarter than me and I want them to succeed and you just want to give them everything and shield them from every discomfort. And Jesus is basically saying, you know that feeling? Multiply it. Take it above and beyond human conception. That's what we're talking about. And as you know, and as I've said before, Jesus didn't even use the formal word father because it implies distance and hierarchy. He used Abba, which means something like daddy. It's a baby talk word. No barriers. And so one of the things that we ought to take away from that is the idea of loving creator, that you're made in love. Getting to the father has to do with getting to that place of love, being in touch with what you're made of. After all, Jesus said, they'll know who you are. They'll know that you're on the path, so to speak, not by your ability to repeat a mission statement, not by your ability to memorize creed. There were no flashcards involved. He didn't say, they'll know who you are by this cool outfit that you wear. They'll know who you are by where you go on Sunday morning. He didn't say any of that. What did he say? He said, they will know you by your love. They'll know you by your love. You might not all say the same thing. You might not all do the same thing. You certainly won't all wear the same thing or speak the same language. But if your language is rooted in the love in your heart, you're on the right track. They will know you by your love. And so that means our relationship with the Father has to do with something that isn't far away, but something that starts in our hearts. And that's really important. Because for some people, the idea of going to the Father seems less like some kind of a spiritual connection and more like a meeting or getting a sit-down with somebody from the mafia. I mean, think about it. There's a lot of people where that's the deal. If I can just, if I can just get a sit-down. You know, you've seen The Godfather or one of those movies, and you, you do the thing and you show up to the right place, and hopefully I'm wearing the right outfit, and if I get it wrong, I'm in big trouble. And I ask God for a favor. And God says... I'll grant you this favor. Look, I don't have a good Brando. What do you want? I'll grant you this favor, and someday that day may never come. I'll ask you to return the favor. You'll have to perform a service, you know? And there are a lot of well-intentioned spiritual people who dread the day when that favor might be called in. They live their lives with that idea that, you know, I asked God for a lot of things. I had that time when I said, God, I swear I'll never do it again. If you just see me through this moment of being dumb, please don't show up and ask me to pick up the tab. Right? And there's that distance. There's that hierarchy. If we are to grow spiritually... If we are going to get to a different place with the love in our heart, with our relationship with God, with how all of this works, if we are to grow, one of the things that must be overcome is the idea of transactional thinking. A lot of fancy words in there. Transactional thinking. It doesn't have to be a fancy thing. You know what I mean. You know what a transaction is. I give you something. You give me something back. I scratch your back. You scratch mine. That kind of an idea. And there are those people who have that kind of relationship with God. I throw the ball to God. God throws the ball back to me. Yeah, but for that game of catch to happen, there's got to be distance. It's only fun if you're far away. Well, it ain't any fun to be far away from God. That's not how any of this works. 
And the problem with a transactional approach to God is, well, it's disempowering. It makes God be far away. And more than that, it leads to the idea of being prayed up. How many times have you heard somebody say, you know, I do. Well, they don't say it, but you can see it. I do the most outlandishly egotistical and mean things all week long. But, you know, I'm prayed up. I show up at church. I put money in the basket. By all means, show up at church. By all means, put money in the basket. That's great. But it can't tell you who you are. And you've seen throughout the history of religiosity, inside and outside of Christianity, people who show up at church having done crazy things. But hey, I'm prayed up, right? I'm good. I'm good. And in fact, for those people, going to church is the idea of, I'm good, right? I'm covered. I did this. I signed the thing. I did the one-time thing. Can you imagine being in a relationship with somebody and saying, well, I told you I love you once. We're good, right? In 1942, I said, I love you. We're cool. It doesn't work that way because love is a perpetual thing. And maybe you don't say it every minute of the day because that's kind of weird too, but hopefully you see it. Hopefully you live it. Hopefully you express it in one way or another. I gave you flowers on Valentine's Day in the 70s. We're good, right? I did this thing one time, and I am absolved of all of my sins, right? I'm cool. I'm never going to mess up again. Thank you. Exactly. (laughs) If I tried to do that, we'd have to clean the microphone. But that's exactly it. That's a silly thing. And for those people who believe in a one-time thing of I'll never have a free thought or get the wrong idea again, wow, I don't even have words for that. Love is a perpetual thing. Your interaction with source is a perpetual thing. This is something that we continue to work on and work through. In other words, spirituality isn't a matter of just getting what you want. Because after all, what do you want? You want the car, you want the house, you want the the outfit, you want the attention, the jewelry, the stuff. Okay, that's fine. But once again, that can't tell you who you are. And throughout the history of time, there have been people who have gone after a thing that they've wanted and gotten it, and then, well, got rid of it, or it got rid of them, or then they just wanted something else. You get to that thing. I got the thing I wanted, but because my consciousness, my attitude is I'm a person who wants things. You're not going to change. You go and you get the thing. You want something else. And it's this endless cycle of that. What do you really want? As it turns out, one way or another, what we want is a closeness with God. What we want is a connection. What we want is a sense of oneness, of unity. What we want is to not be alone in the universe Alone in this life, what we want is to be right there with God. Because if we can do that, we can also be right there with the people around us. We remember something important about what really binds us, for example. And it turns out, me trying to get my way is precisely what's keeping me separate. It's not about what I want anymore. It's about what God wants for me. It's not about my ego stuff anymore. It's about how can this love in my heart get so big that I don't even know what's going to happen next. It's so exciting. It's about something bigger taking charge. One of the problems with transactional approach to God is that it's a whole life based on what can I get away with. You know what I mean? 
how many times? Whether it's in religion or even in your job or in your relationship, if you go, okay, what is the bare minimum I can do so that I get paid? What is the bare minimum I can do so that we're still together? What is the bare minimum I can do? God, what can I do just to make it so I don't feel bad about all this and then I can get away with whatever, right? The problem with a transactional approach is it leads to cheating as a virtue. In other words, I'm smart and sophisticated if I get away with something. You ever make a good deal? What does the deal mean? The deal means that I didn't have to give so much. In fact, I didn't have to give it all. It was a steal. In other words, I didn't have to change. And people who don't have to change in a transactional paradigm, wow, I'm using big words today, but you know what I mean. People who don't have to change in a transactional paradigm are thought of as smart oh, I got through that whole thing and didn't have to change at all. I got to that relationship and I told the other person, this is what I want. Did you change it all? No, I didn't have to change at all. I won. I won love. I won relationship. Solved. Unlocked. Where's that relationship now? Well, it's gone, but I won. Where's that job? Winning doesn't work that way. As it turns out, the goal is change. The goal is growth. That's the virtue, not getting away with something. How can I be changed by this? Not how can I change it, because I don't know everything. Oh, man, what a revelation. Because life changes. Are you ready for this? Life changes when we change what we want. Did you know that? Life changes when we change what we want. In a very real way, the, the, the vast majority of humanity is still living in the Bronze Age. Yeah, we got fancier stuff, cooler toys. We've got Facebook. Wow, there's the hallmark of human civilization. <laughs> he says on Facebook. But you know what I mean. We've invented cooler toys, but at the end of the day, the same struggles, the same drama goes on. We cure and cause and then have to cure that. We go after stuff and we invent shinier stuff to go after over and over again. It's this vast cosmic hamster wheel. And through that process, we have invented amazing, shiny, cool things. But we haven't grown any spiritually or intellectually even. Not really. All of that changes when it stops being about something that we want and it starts being about something that we are. All of that changes when it stops being about a transaction of here and there and it starts being about here. When it stops being about ego and it starts being about love. And that is what defines what we do. That is the way in which we express our religiosity, if you want. That is the cornerstone of how we do our Christianity. There's a lot of different kinds of people who believe a lot of different kinds of things that call themselves Christians. And I want to make it clear, they don't all say the same stuff. And I also want to make it clear, that's okay. If you look it up in the dictionary, it says a Christian is someone who follows the life and teachings of Jesus. We're trying our best. And there are other people who say things that are a million miles away from what we say who are trying their best, and I'm okay with that. I want everybody to do their best to follow it according to what they believe. God's a judge of that. Life is a judge of that. I am not qualified to judge somebody else in that. Right? Here's how we do it. We're Christian 
Because we believe in Jesus, because we believe in Christ, and because we believe in Jesus Christ. That's how we do that. And this is 101 level stuff. You may have even heard this before if you've been in one of my classes. There's more to say, but here's the quick version, the 10,000-foot view. We believe in Jesus. We believe that he wasn't a fictional character, that the things that the Bible said, he did and said, he did and said. But we're also Christian because we believe in the idea of the Christ. Paul says, Christ in you, your hope of glory. Here's the line. Christ wasn't Jesus' last name. It's not like he had a cousin named Billy Christ. (laughs) Doesn't work that way. But rather, the word itself means the anointed one, the special part, the divine spark, the I am. In other words, we're Christian because we believe in Jesus. We're Christian because we believe in this idea of the image and likeness. The divine spark in all of us. Did you not know ye are gods, the Bible says. Image and likeness, the Bible says. Light of the world, salt of the earth, the Bible says. And on and on and on and on. But we're Christian also because we believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ. In other words, we believe that that's where you look. How does it, how does it look when, when it's done? How does it look when someone is living that potential? And through the course of human history, we've got this one example. Here's what it looks like when you get out of the way. Here's what it looks like. This is why, Savior, way shower. Because that's where we look. Jesus did it, does it. And that means, there's more to say, but, but that means that when someone prays in the name of Jesus Christ, it means something maybe different for us. Because there are those people who say, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And what they're saying is, Jesus, will you swoop down and rescue me? But you're thinking of Spider-Man. Jesus was very clear about this. <laughs> Everybody gets one. Jesus was very clear about this. Help each other. Jesus was very clear about this. Do the work. Jesus was very clear about this. Guys, I can't stick around because if I stick around, you won't fix this. Let your light shine. Don't lose your flavor. The very first rap reference. Um, (laughs) You know what I mean. But go do the thing. Heaven helps those who help themselves. All that. You're not wanting Jesus to swoop down because if someone has to swoop down and rescue you, it means you don't change. And Jesus' message over and over again was change. So when we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, it's not about, will you please come and rescue me and let me please stay the same? It's about saying, I pray in the name of the potential, the Christ being made actual in this life. I pray in the name of it being embodied right now. I pray in the name of it happening here. In the name of my hero... Who does it, let it be done. In other words, I pray in the name of surrender. This isn't my idea anymore, my ego, my stuff anymore. This is not about me going, God, here's my needs. This is about God happening. In the name of it happening. That's what's going on. In the name of me getting out of the way. There have been a lot of important teachers throughout the course of humanity. And you can learn a lot of important things. But there's something special about this. It's not the same. John the Baptist said, 
about himself, but he could have been talking about all of those wonderful teachers. I baptize with water. In other words, I can show you how to cleanse something, but the one who follows me will baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit. In other words, this isn't just about a cleaning. This is about getting rid of everything that's not true. That's what Jesus brings to the table. Water, fire. Now you studied, you know about that triangle of fire. It's not a Johnny Cash song. My daughter's shaking her head at me. Can't, can't be helped. It's one of those fatherhood moments, right? This is your DNA. The triangle of fire. You know what that means, right? You've studied that. Somewhere in school they told you that. I think it's written on a fire extinguisher. Basically, to have a fire, you need three things. You need an oxidizing agent. You need air. You need fuel, like wood. And you need heat. That's all. It's science. You need those three things. Air, fuel, heat. You need all of those. And when you look at that, you realize that fire is not a thing, like a fork or a house or a car. Fire is an event. You're not a thing. You're an event. We talked about that last week. You are happening. And in fact, if you feel frustrated in your life, if you feel stuck in your life, if you feel angry in your life, it might just be that you've been trying to fight the happening, that it's time to stop being a thing and start happening. That might be the cure for whatever ails you. But just like you need air and heat and fuel, you need the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is the way. The Christ is the truth. And that's beautiful. But what are you going to do about it? What does your life look like? How will they know? Will they know because of what you say or will they know because of what you live? That's the thing. In other words, this isn't something I can get through through an intellectual process. It's great to memorize your mission statements and your affirmations. It's great to take the classes and read the books. There are people who think I can get to spirituality if I just repeat these affirmations over and over again and over and over again and over and over again until everyone else leaves the house over and over again. But you can't get to God the same way you cram for an AP bio final. (laughs) Thank you. That's only part of it. And there are people at the other end of the spectrum who say, I'm going to do stuff that makes no sense to me at all. Maybe if I hold these magic rocks. I've had people say to me in different words, but they've basically said to me, I go to this place and this person pretends to heal me and I pretend to be healed. And if I pretend hard enough, I'll get healed. And I'm not healed. Oh, well, you're not pretending hard enough. That's how faith works, right? Just pretend harder. It's a great scam because when the person comes to me and they go, my life is still messed up, I go, you got to pretend hard. You're not pretending hard enough. Now, like I said, they use different words, but I want to make it clear, that ain't how faith works. If this, whatever it is, is going to work, and I say whatever it is because I don't care what words you use. This isn't about branding. If this, whatever it is, is going to work, it's got to make sense to your head and to your heart. It's got to make sense to your head and to your heart. In other words, it has to answer this question in a, in a healthy way. Does it connect me with power or does it take power away? Does it connect me with the source? Does it connect me with the Father or does it make me feel alone? Where's your power? Is it in a rock or is it in your heart? This is how all of this works. And another test is how hard do I have to try? Do you have a trying life? You have a trying life. There are those people who have a trying life and everything is trying and I'm just pushing a car up a hill with a rope every day. (laughs) 
It'll sink in in a minute. There are those people who live lives that way, and they think that's a virtue. There are people who try to cheat through life, and there are people who just, it's all sweat. One of my great spiritual teachers, Yoda, said, do or do not, there is no try. Because you have to try to make the sun rise. You have to try to make gravity happen. You have to try to make blood go through your veins. You have to try to make two plus two equal four. Do you have to try to make God love you? Hmm. As it turns out, if it's true, it happens whether I make it happen or not. If it's true, it happens whether I like it or not. And that's the thing, because for some people, the effort is really about them trying for it to not happen. Trying to make two plus two not equal four. They're afraid of that four. They don't want that four to happen. And the effort that I make is to try and keep from growing. Because growth is scary sometimes. Wouldn't it be easier to regress you know, there's, a, there's shows on television about people who are super excited about the end of civilization and zombies coming. The zombies are already here. They're texting in traffic. <laughs> but there are those people who are really excited about the collapse of everything. And part of the reason is because they're really excited about the idea that they don't have to solve the hard problems. The hard problems are how does love work? The hard problems are how do I get through my life? The hard problems are how do I share what's in my heart? The easy problems are where is food and water? People are excited about the collapse of everything because they mean, it means they don't have to ask the hard questions. If I solve my problems, if I get over my crazy, let's say, then I've got to face the unknown of growth. Who's there? I don't know. If I solve my problems, I've got to get past something. I don't want to feel alone. The good news is you're not. It is written, I go to prepare a place for you. You've been prepped. No more doomsday preppers. You've been prepped for life. It's happening. It has happened. It's time to look at the unknown and decide that it's okay to not know. Previously, we've had other questions like, who do you think you are and what do you see and all of that, and they're beautiful. But the question for today is, what will you live? The way and the truth and the life, what will you live? When people see you, what will they see? Do you have to go tell everybody the good news of whatever it is that is the good news to you? They just slam the door in your face. They don't want to read your pamphlet. Trust me, I've handed out a lot of pamphlets. I've had a lot of them handed to me. Nobody wants to read your pamphlet. Show them. Show them what love looks like. What will you live? Ask yourself today, will they know what I believe in by how I act, or is it an act? What will I live today? The thing that will connect head and heart and life for you. The thing that will connect you with God. The thing that makes you in touch with your source with a capital S. That, that finds love for you so you don't have to try anymore. Is the answer to that question. What will I live? Nothing else matters. Set it free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much. so loving that
there are questions to each service. And I love that this one is, what do you live? Well, I mean, the grammar the grammar's not great. It no, should it's be not, but... But I, I did it on purpose because the idea is, it's not how do you live. It's not even what do you want to show people. It's it's deeper than that. And so the grammar kind of fails. What, what makes you alive, but also what are you expressing? And the, the thing that I kept coming back to in the talk and when I was thinking about the talk is that idea that we're identified by our love. And there's that word because as, as I often say, love is that thing that you have on the inside that if you really give yourself to it, it must express in the outer. Love is such a perfect metaphor for the divine experience. We say God is love because that's that thing that it's in and it cannot be contained. If it's really love, you can't shut up about it. You know what I mean? And so the fact that that is our calling card is really huge for me. And I have to say that for a very long time in my ministry, like back when I was a seminary student and things like that, I would I spent a lot of time thinking about doctrine and creeds and mission statements and a systematic explication of the religious method. And I still think all of those things are important, but the truth is that's not it's not even the second or third most important thing. Right. Because the truth is it's about how you live and maybe you don't understand every single uh piece of Anselm's cosmological argument or whatever for the existence of God. Who cares? It has to do with what does it look like to live like a child of God? And that is so much more important, so much more compelling. It's not about a systematic uh, doctrine. It's about, is this part of your story? Well, and we had a perfect outer example of it show up. And, you know, there's no, there's no accidents. Nope at all ever and you know I just I don't know why I can't get that on a regular basis and it's like I, <laughs> You're I, not I, the I, only one, I get through it and I'm like well of course that had to happen yeah. that day mm-hmm. but we had a older lady she was living a couple of streets up at the Salvation Army mm-hmm. and she was on a motorized wheelchair and so she scooted down and Clearly not a lot of material goods, not a lot of wealth there. You know, that's where she's living. And, you know, she had a story. And regardless of whether that story is true or not, she just wanted to come in and be a part of everything. I don't know what her motives are. I don't know if she was looking for a handout. She she didn't ask. So we said, okay, but she couldn't get up the steps where we are. So we showed her where the ramp was and, yeah, and it's and not clear at it's Harbor not Hall, clear it's, yeah it's a, it's a little bit I but, love that building but one of the things about it is it's not really apparent where the the accessible ramps are sure and so you know we went out and and showed her and she she was there a little bit early so she was there during the sound check with the musicians and you know I took her out and I got her a donut and a cup of coffee and mm-hmm. you know she kind of was looking around and I had a moment, I had a very human moment where I kind of rolled my eyes on the inside. Like, oh, here we go. All right. This is, this is somebody that's going to ask for something. Well, and, you and, know, but you do, but you get into your Sunday routine, right? Well, and, and so Jenny, there's things, I gotta there's say, things that you do. You, you've and, had a history. I mean, when you grow up in church, when you serve in church, you see people come who have agendas, mm-hmm. you know, and they're not there to be spiritually fed. They're there for other things. Sure. And 
it's part of it. And at the end of the day, we're just here to offer the same thing to everybody. But it is absolutely valid sometimes, and we've all done this. You kind of brace for impact because when someone matches certain outer criteria, when you've seen it a hundred times before, you go, okay, they're going to ask for X, Y, and Z. Right. And here's how we handle that. So the computer in your head is right. And you're going to, oh, yeah, how is this yeah. going to play out? So, you know, and you go into There's protective, wrong with that. you go into protective mode. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want them ask, asking, you know, other congregants, you know, stuff like that. Because so, we guard the religious experience of everybody. There, this, there right. are people that walk through we the doors. We are shepherds are, of, yeah. of all of the people that and come people in. So, who anyway. Walk through the doors have, there might be somebody there with something really heavy on their heart and they need to just have the experience. And so we guard it jealously. You know, it, right. it's one of those things. But it wasn't really about her. She was fine. Yeah, she sat she through awesome. the service. You know, we had a nice little chat. And um, I let everybody know. I let the welcome team know as they're coming in. You know, I let them know her name. And I just wanted her to feel loved. But then I sat down and I listened to the service that you, that you gave. And I thought, man, you know, on the outside, I did what was right. I showed her compassion. I showed her love. I fed her, you know, literally mm-hmm. and spiritually. You know, she had that experience. And I think everybody in our church did the same thing. And it was a... Very good result in the end. Sure. But this stuff takes practice. And for me, I thought, you know what? My first response, even though we're in that protective role, we're doing that, my first response should have just been, whatever this is, meet it with love. Mm-hmm. And and I did. I don't think she knew any different. I, I wasn't right. making her feel bad or anything like that. But No, of course not. This stuff has to be practiced. And so I love the question, what do you live? Because I don't know that Jesus would have even did an inside eye roll. You know, it would, you know what I mean? And of so course, right. for, for a minute, a minute, I was like, oh man, I had an opportunity to take it up a notch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I'm putting that in sort of the back of my mind for the next time, because we're a church, there, there will, will always be, be a next yes. time. Each case is different and each person is different and you have to deal with them on, you know, on for different circumstances, all that kind of stuff. But um, I thought, wow, missed opportunity, do better next time. I love it that that you can get to a place of not clobbering yourself, but taking this moment of self-correction, uh, let's say, when in the outer it was wonderful and welcoming and beautiful – our whole church family came together to make sure that she felt good. Yeah, uh, she got to plug in yeah. her electric wheelchair and she had to leave service a little bit early. So, you know, we made that possible with the least disturbance for the rest of the congregation and and all of it. But yeah. Yeah, but you know what? This is, we're all growing, you know, we're human beings. Uh, Jesus gets a pass, you know, because Jesus. Right. But, you know, I, I've talked about this before, but there's that great part where there's this guy who is blind and he asked Jesus for healing and Jesus says, well, what do you want healed? Now, Jesus is a sharp guy. I've talked about this in service mm-hmm. before. But part of what's being said there is that for Jesus, the blindness doesn't really exist. But we're not there yet. It's okay to not be there. I think that there's something really wonderful about did you do the right thing? Did you do it for the right reasons? Yes and yes. Mm-hmm. I know, but you know, it's just like, okay. it, it's one of those things where that was my takeaway. But I also, what I want to let everybody listening know is that 
it's okay to have that human moment. It's okay mm-hmm. to go, oh Lord, here we go again. <laughs> you know, it it really is if you're practicing on the outer because you will get there. Exactly. It, so you have to, you know, this is this is not just a one time thing. It's an over and over and over and over and over and over again. You know, just like a baby learning how to walk. It's like they get up, they go down. They get up, they go down. Well, and you know, sometimes we get to a place where, and it depends on the situation and the person. There are some things that an individual will see and just sail right through. And they have the the heart connection with that. It doesn't even occur to them. And somebody else looking at that would go, how can you deal with that? Because what about A, B, and C? And different people are at different levels of that. There's different things that stick out for people. And all of that, but there's something really powerful about the act as if mm-hmm. paradigm. Mm-hmm. In other words, act as if that person's a child of God and so are you. And of course they are, but even if you can't, if that's not the part that sticks out because you know there's a real good chance that person is going to do something that is not only not a child of God sort of thing to do, but is going to impact other people around you who are trying to get there. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be the goalie a little bit. But when we act as if, which is exactly what you did, the positive experience comes out for her, for our whole church family that got to sort of to be a welcoming presence. And you and I are having this moment of going, because, you know, I had the same thought. I saw her and I thought, you know, I've, this, I've been down this road before and I'm not proud of having those thoughts either. But the fact that you have the thoughts is okay because you acknowledge them and you move beyond. You go, you know what? Right. We're and that kick was kind of the here. point gonna... that I wanted yeah, to Yeah, and up. I'm proud of you for doing that because you didn't roll your eyes outwardly. You didn't go, you know what? You can't come in here. You didn't do some things that I have seen other people do in a church environment. There are people who get trespassed because they ask for rides. You know, yeah. I have no car. It's Florida. I need to walk. Sorry, you can't be here. Right. That kind of stuff. It's not okay. Yeah. And you know what? It's okay if you go, you know what? It's a pain in the butt to have to take somebody home. Sure it is. Okay. But you do it. And that's the question. What did you do about it? What did you live? So now we just want to let you know some of the things that we're up to in our check it out section. As always, the best way to find out everything that's going on at Water and Stone Church is to go to our website, waterandstonechurch.com. That's going to give you everything you need, where we are, the maps to everything, yada, yada, yada. (laughs) And we have a lot of yada, yada, yada. We do. We have a lot going on. Yeah, and we have our our normal, regular things that you know about. We have our uh, sunset celebration every Sunday evening at about a half hour before the sun goes down and you can ask Siri uh, what time that is your phone knows because it changes you know all the time of course but we meet at St. Petersburg Beach there's maps and directions on the website so you'll know all about that but it's just a, a really casual time to just be together and sort of process the week and sometimes we have really deep discussions and sometimes the sun just goes down and we all applaud and go get ice cream and everything in between on uh, Wednesday morning we have a sunrise walk and we meet uh 
at North Shore Beach. And uh, it's a big place, so please call us or email us if you're going to come meet us. But it's Wednesday mornings about 7.20. We walk a few miles. It's a super casual, uh, low, you're not going to reach your aerobic threshold or anything like that. It's just, it's a low commitment, low impact situation. We walk, it's gorgeous right by the water. They're building that beautiful pier in St. Petersburg, Florida, the finest city on the face of the earth. We get some coffee, we walk back. It's no big deal. You'll be back in time to go to work on Wednesday morning, that kind of thing. But it's super wonderful. It's a great way to get over the hump of hump day. There's also some ongoing things that we do, our men's circle and our women's circle. Men meet on Tuesdays and the women meet on Thursdays. And all you'll want to do is Check out our Facebook page or message us or check out our website to get the times and locations for all of those. Yeah, because it varies because we meet at people's houses. Not super crazy about giving out addresses yeah, over no, the Yeah, no, we're internet. not going to so, do that. So, so if you're let interested, us know. Get in touch. Absolutely. But it's at 7 o'clock Tuesdays or Thursdays, and uh, we'll take it from there. Also, I'd like to let you know that for the whole month of June, we are working with an organization called Operation Gratitude. And again, if you would like to know more about that, come to a Sunday service because you're going to be totally impressed. Also, for the month of July, our out service project is going to be working with the Humane Society. And I'm so excited because we get to go back and and work with the little little (laughs) guys, the puppies. But also... I want to let everybody know, if you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel, oh, you got what to. are you doing? Yeah, come on. Get over there. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You're going to get a lot of good content. What are you, chicken? Old Everybody's doing it. Absolutely, they are. <laughs> Peer pressure. And, you know, there's some fabulous shows. We have the My Cooking Show, which is this day, so you can learn to make some amazing vegetarian and vegan food and get a little bit of a uplift, a little just, bit of a message. I adore that it's show. Really, it's really fun, and I love doing it, and... I wish I had done it years before. Well, it's one of those things. And and I've put together some videos that explain some of the basics about how we do our spirituality, what it means, how to pray, for example, some Bible stuff, practical application stuff, all the way around. There's a bunch of little videos. There's also some snippets from our Sunday morning lessons that'll, that are really easy to share and just get to the bottom of. You just heard the whole audio from a talk. For the YouTube channel, we just put a like the highlights. Right, it's it's really good to share if you have somebody that may that might be interested in coming to a Sunday morning, but they're not sure what's happening or you know what we're talking about. Share those little movies; they're like five to ten minutes. It's no big deal. But speaking of Sunday mornings, that is where it all happens. We have such a fabulous congregation. Mm -hmm. We have such a fun experience on Sunday mornings. The music is great. The service is great. Everything really is lovely. And everybody comes in ready to grow, ready to work, ready to get out into the world and make it a better place. And I thank God every day that we have such a dedicated group of people. Yeah, I really, I look forward to Sunday. And I love this. I've always loved it. Being a minister is at the core of who I am. So I've always loved it. But it's also intense and it's work and there's pressure to do a good job and all that. And I still feel those things, but... I look forward to Sunday morning in a way that I never have before throughout my whole career. And I've been doing this for decades, guys. This is huge for me. This church family is doing something special in the world, and it's doing something special in our hearts. And that's pretty amazing. Every Sunday, 11 o'clock, USF St. Pete's Harbor Hall, and the street address is 1000 3rd Street South. There's a map on the website. Come find us on the various social media places. And by the way, that's the other way 
to stay in the loop about what we're doing is if you text I am ready, I A M R E A D Y, all one word, text I am ready to 84576. I am ready 84576. And what that'll do is it puts you in the loop once a week or so, hardly ever more than that. We send out a little text about here's what's going on in our church family. And, and you know, it's in, in lieu of a newsletter because we like to save paper and that sort of thing. But also every once in a while, there's sort of an emergency situation. You know, there's a, the triathlon is preventing us from being able to get into our building. So here's what to do. Or, hey, somebody needs this and that and the other. It hardly ever happens, but it's a great way to sort of get the inside scoop on what's going on here at Water and Stone Church. This podcast is recorded at Pin Feather Studios on the comfy orange couch. And the high whoop-de-doo of Pinfeather Studios is the handsome and strong Raina Randolph. She uh, edits these podcasts for us. She's one half of the music you hear on the podcast, and she's part of the amazing music that you hear every Sunday morning. The other half of the music that you hear is the, the uh, lovely and talented Miles Randolph. Together, they just are doing amazing things, and we are so proud to know them. This podcast is solely supported by you. And by golly, that means all kinds of things. We don't charge anything for this podcast. We don't charge anything for anything we do. You know it's better than that. But what we need you to do to help us keep the fires burning and the lights on is just a couple of simple things. First of all, we'd love for you to share the podcast, share our blog posts, our Facebook or our Twitter. We make it really, really easy for you to let somebody else know about what we're doing. You can hit that like button or that repost or retweet button. Please, please, please take a minute to subscribe to our YouTube channel, for example. Take a minute to like our page on Facebook. Take a minute to do those things. If you go to the bottom of any page on waterandstonechurch.com, you have links to all of our social media stuff, Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and so on. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and share. That's a huge way to promote us. If you want to give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast, it helps promote us in that way. It lets the powers that be know that this podcast is worth sharing with a larger audience. If you go to our website, there's a page called Donate that lets you know how you can shop at Amazon in a way that benefits us, how you can give electronically, and all that kind of stuff. And it's super important, but I got to tell you, the number one thing that we want you to do is show up. No matter what kind of advertising we do, the only way that any church in the world ever grows is simply by people telling their friends. Be there, tell your friends about it. Be there on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Be there for a sunrise or a sunset. Be there for our men's and women's groups. Be there for one of our amazing service projects. Be there and share. And that is the beginning of a new life for all of us.